Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, the podcast formerly known as the WNRG podcast series. So why the name change? We wanted to be more inclusive and let our listeners know This Humana Life is for everyone. This podcast is by Humana Associates for Humana Associates. We have the opportunity to share personal and professional triumphs, successes, and the utmost authentic realness of our fellow associates and leaders. And as always, we believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. Join the conversation on Buzz at go slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355 so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm sure you are very well versed in, you know, answering questions and being interviewed. You're always a phenomenal speaker, but we usually start with a few icebreakers okay. to kind of just get you warmed up here. What's your favorite holiday or tradition? Mm. Mm. I love I love the Christmas holidays. I love to decorate. I uh, really go all out in wrapping packages, and my husband will say that's for a three year old. Why are you spending that much time? Because um, so it looks I just pretty. Really like to do that that up so that's just always really fun for me and I love to to bake. Well we want to thank you for being in the studio with us today Beth Bierbauer. Uh, we're here with Tara and Brittany and myself and you were gracious enough to spend time with us this afternoon in your busy busy schedule. We know you're the segment president Edge Innovation Leadership but can you give us a little bit about your journey and and how you worked into this role? Sure, sure. Um, so I've been in the industry for over 30 years, so longer than I care to admit. Can I say Were that? you I five? Really young. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe that? Um, and, you know, I sort of just fell, fell into it. I actually started working for a Medicaid, uh, a medical assistance or a Medicaid HMO uh, while I was going to college. Mm. And then um, uh, about two years after I graduated from college, there was another opening for um, uh, another Medicaid, a regular HMO that was also also getting into Medicaid, and they said, wow, here's somebody with some experience. And way back then, it was sort of unheard of. And that plan actually became Coventry Healthcare, mm-hmm. which, as we know, was, was bought by a competitor. So I sort of um, just fell into this and really just enjoyed it. And, and by starting with an organization that was so small, it really had the opportunity to do a lot of different functions in the organization. So I had the opportunity to learn the whole system, and that really benefited me uh, in my career because I just tried so many different things. And you know, when you're a small, nimble company, it's well, give it to this person. Let's see what they can what they can do with it. And you're you're all sort of trying to peel your way a little bit. But having that flexibility. I think uh, really helped me build a very solid foundation from which I could which I could uh, grow my my career. Then I moved from there to uh, work work for there for uh, quite a long time, and then I um, decided to move to a local blues organization. I was very methodical about it because I said, okay, I I had worked my way up to chief operating officer of this plan in Pennsylvania, 
and um, but it was still pretty small and said okay well the blues in Pennsylvania are pretty big high mark and um, you know can I still succeed being in a bigger organization so I did that for about five years and got a call from uh, one of the management team members at, at Humana and then again said, okay, wow, this is a national organization. Can I be as effective as I have been at smaller organizations? So I really decided after coming down and interviewing with the senior management team, they were so dynamic and just so so energized. And what was really interesting is Humana was really going over a difficult time when I joined. The stock was in the low single digits. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you really had to buy into the vision that we had for the company at the time. So, But again, it presented an opportunity because we knew we were going to be on the upswing. So, um, you know, had some, had some luck, but also had some planning about my next step and was trying to be very methodical about it and say, what do I really want to achieve and where do I need to spread my wings and where do I need to learn something different? And so beginning there, how many roles have you been in over this 30-year tenure? Oh, gosh. I, I, if I had to guess, I'd probably say maybe um, in terms of formal titles, mm-hmm. probably about 15, mm-hmm. but I had the opportunity to expand mm-hmm. and, and sort of bring more on. Um, one thing I'd like to point out, though, that people might find a bit unique is uh, twice I've actually eliminated, lim- eliminated my role. And that's what? pretty interesting. <laughs> wow. right, right. So once at Coventry, um, had sat down with my, my, uh, my leader at the time, who was the CEO of the Pennsylvania organization, and said, look, I had, been, um, I had developed a PPO. We were an HMO and developed a PPO for them and said, you know, it really is time that we think about bringing this together because it really just is a different product line. We really shouldn't have a separate organization. And I remember him saying, only you would come in and eliminate your, your work. That's <laughs> why so I would hope that you would have something for me. And then I became chief operating officer at a company, so it worked out. Uh, yeah. oh um, and then something similar happened here at mm. Humana, um, gosh, about seven years ago, mm. where I was running the specialty benefits division. and. I could see that there, there was some thinking about how should we really reorganize, and, and I sat down um, with one of the MT members at that time and said, you know, I'm getting the sense that maybe you're thinking about reorganizing, and, and what are you thinking about? And, they, and they, they share with me, oh, we would have a retail and a group segment. And I said, oh, well, then, you know, you would sort of split specialty up in between the two. And they said, yeah. So I said, well, let me, let me go think about that. And um, uh, not that they asked for my opinion, but uh, and then I, I sent some ideas around how we could make that happen. And uh, lo and behold, they um, asked me if I wanted to lead the new group group segment. So um, I thought that that was really exciting and I was happy, happy to do that. But, um, you know, I think you have to be prepared sometimes for, you know, organizations change. They're dynamic. They're living, mm-hmm. you know, they're living organisms, if you, if you will. And um, what I've always found helpful is if you do the right thing and you're contributing to the organization, you'll find a spot that you're, you're happy, to, happy to be in. So, but that, that is something that I share with people because I think it is a little bit unique in that, you know, it happened twice. Um, but you know, worked out for the best. But you were able to see the benefit to the business. Right. And yes. that that came before your personal benefit, mm-hmm. and that is pretty outstanding. And a visionary. Yes. Right. Thank you. So the WNRG has been fortunate enough to have you as our executive sponsor for a few years. 
Can you kind of tell us how you became involved and maybe share a favorite memory or event that you've been a part of? Sure. Uh, well, it's been such an honor for me to serve as a, a co-executive sponsor on the WNRG. When, when it was initially being uh, formed, I was talking to the folks at HR and I said, listen, I know I'm already the executive sponsor for Unidos and I love my, my, uh, my Unidos NRG. I said, but I'd really like to participate in the women's NRG, also very near and dear to my, to my heart. And um, I said, you know, I know I can uh, give it my all and, and not have it um, uh, hurt anything from a work performance standpoint. So they were gracious enough to allow me to be a co-sponsor. And, um, you know, I just, I remember when we just had a big kickoff one day and it was outside, and I just remember looking at all the participants, right? Now, mostly women, but men as well. And I just thought, wow, this NRG is really going to resonate. And, you know, we've just grown so quickly over the years. And I just think it demonstrates such a strong need for women to be able to connect with each other, right? Whether it's for purposes of learning or, or um, expanding their network or improving their careers or, you know, getting tips or whatever, whatever it is, camaraderie. It just, it just really spoke to me, and I think it's by, as evidenced by the number of members that we have in the NRG, it speaks to a lot of women as, as well. So, but I remember being outside going, wow, look at all these women. <laughs> this is really going to be something big. So it was really exciting. Um, so speaking about, you know, being involved in the women's group, and I read on a blog post that you were inspired by Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, and you kind of created a blog from this, and I pulled a little bit um, out there a quote. It says, women hold a mere 15% of executive positions at Fortune 500 companies, and full-time women workers still earn, on average in the U.S., 42 cents for every dollar earned by their male counterparts. You said that a culture shift needs to take place. In what ways do you feel Humana has come to be creating this culture shift and this type of transparency that we, we have? You know, the one thing I've always appreciated about Humana, and I've been here 18 years, is that um, when I come to work, I just feel like it's Beth coming to work, and I feel with my colleagues, it's just you're just another colleague. And uh, I've, I've, I've never felt that I was disadvantaged because I was a woman. I, you know, and I've always sort of had the attitude of assume positive intent, not to assume because somebody says something that they're, um, that there's some ulterior motive or that they meant something to be hurtful or, or anything like that. And I think Humana has really tried to do a good job of, um, really just looking at talent and saying, how do we develop talent across the organization? And back in 2010 or so, uh, they actually developed a women in leadership program. And I remember being with um, a lot of my peers at the time and them saying, well, what do do we do wrong that they have to have a program for us? Don't we need a men in leadership program? And I just remember being excited saying, look, you know, we have leaders on the management team that are saying, we recognize there's a problem and we're not promoting enough women past the director level. We need more women at the senior, at the senior ranks and we need them running businesses. And I thought that was a really bold commitment back then for our management team to, to make and was certainly I'm grateful that they said, we're going to start investing in this and we're going to, you know, bring in outside experts to, to help us and, and, and help women that they think had some, some talent be able to um, maybe fill in some gaps if there are, ga- or there are gaps. But also what I thought was really important about it is it wasn't just about the women. It was about the output and what the management team learned from women that participated 
in those that program over the over the years. So I felt like it was bi-directional and that the management team really wanted to um, listen and, and learn and understand what some of the um, what some of the barriers were and what some of the gaps were that that we could change or they could change at that point as a management team to really help help women women thrive. So I thought that that was just really insightful and forward-looking for Humana to make that bold step, you know, nine years ago. So what's the best advice that you can offer for women? Would it be mentorship, to find mentor? To, what is your opinion on that? Um, the first thing I would say is um, um, get out of your own way and, and, and figure out who you are and, and, and truly, to use Cheryl Sandberg's word, how, how to lean in. You know, the biggest thing that I see with women is, I, I can't tell you how many women have said to me, I don't want your job. I, you know, I don't ever want to be you. And I sort of chuckle wow. and say, yeah. <laughs> some days I don't want to be me either. There's this view, um, there's this view that um, if you get to a certain level in the organization, you're working 24-7, you have no weekends, mm. you have no, you have no life, you have no time for kids, you have no time for anything. And you know, I, I, my plate is full. I'm I'm a caregiver, and while my son has grown, um, I go back to Pittsburgh to see my special needs sister a lot. My father-in-law is 89. I take care of him. I have a husband um, that I try to see every every weekend. Um, when I get, I try to get home every weekend. Um, and so I have a lot. And my son's in Denver. I have a lot on on my plate. And um, so it was always really surprising to me when when women would say sort of throw up a wall and say, you know, this looks like it's too hard. And that's where I started talking to women over the years and said, let's break this down a little bit because there is a path to be able to get there. The problem is you have to let other things go. And um, you have to really define for yourself what you can give and what that, what that looks like, but it isn't impossible. So I would say to women, the first thing is don't assume that something's unattainable or that it's too hard or that you could never do it. I can't tell you how many times I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, no, my kids are too small. Or, uh, no, I, you know, I don't want to miss my kids' sports games. Or, and it's sort of like, well, you know, boy, we're so flexible in the workplace mm-hmm. today. This is true. Why would people think that they really have to give up this quality, quality time? So don't make assumptions that it's just too hard, number, number one. Uh, number two, I would say if, if you really want to continue growing in your career, you have to be a constant learner. And it's hard. It's really, really hard keeping up on not only what's going on in the industry, but what's happening outside the industry. I mean, what is Amazon doing and, and Apple. Google and mm-hmm. Apple? Yeah. You know, um, and not just how are they getting into healthcare, but what other things are they doing that are driving consumer behaviors that will ultimately impact, impact healthcare? Uh, what are new business principles you have to learn? How do you learn from other companies maybe that aren't doing so well? You know, so how do you read about a GE right now that seems to be, seems to be struggling? Um, so having that intellectual curiosity and, and, and con- wanting to continually learn, I think, is really, really important. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll find people say, oh, I don't have time to read. And that's, that's a red flag to me when <laughs> people say they don't have time to read. Um, and I'm willing to give a buy say, if you say, okay, you listen to podcasts or you do other podcasts. <laughs> but when I, don't hear, when I don't hear anything, right, yes. it's like, hmm, wait a minute, you're just really not 
not getting your priorities right. So that would be the second thing I say. Make sure that you really have this desire to learn because people see that in you. And they look for people that have that curiosity and people that are willing to push the status quo quo a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be the two biggest things I would say that are the first set of um, sort of a guidance that I would give women. One of the things I wanted to touch on with you is I know you're very passionate about self-care. And I, I wanted to hear more about uh, your story with self-care and, um, you know, what you would encourage other folks to do in that area. Yeah, well, we were just talking recently uh, about that. I think um, many associates know since I've been here so long that um, I really used to struggle with my weight. And um, I have um, a, a, t- a personality called Obliger, if you've read any Gretchen Rubin uh, books or listen to her happiness podcast. Love Gretchen. She wrote a book called The Four Tendencies. And, and an obliger personality is one that anybody who asks me to do anything, I do it. No question. Don't have to ask twice. You'll get it done. You'll get it done on time, probably early, and you'll be happy. But doing things for myself is really, really hard. And when I think about, you know, caregiving, uh, you know, as I mentioned, two people, uh, two loved ones that I care for now, when my mother was alive, a few years ago traveling back and forth to Pittsburgh to care for her and my sister, one sister lived with her at the time. Um, I've shared with people before, nothing between Kentucky and Western Pennsylvania unless it's fast or fried, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so how do you, you know, I just put everybody first. And then it was like, well, you you don't really have time to cook. You're tired, you're this, you're that. And um, just really had 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 a wake up call through a town hall one day and Somebody said, well, what are you going to do to work on your well-being? And I decided, I'd announced that I was going to join Weight Watchers, so I did. But then it turned into much more. I started reading about well-being and habits and personality because I really wanted this to be a lifestyle change. And then started understanding more about nutrition and timing about when we eat and water and sleep and exercise and all those all those different things. And, and I just realized that... I won't be around to take care of anybody if I don't take care of myself. And it's really important for my family because my family has a really, really um, bad um, DNA when it comes to heart. So um, I just lost my brother who's nine years younger than me about three months ago. I lost my beloved nephew of a heart attack at the age of 40. Um, So, and my brother, who I lost three months ago, had his first heart attack at 36, and my other brother had his first heart attack at 40. Oh, my. And like I said, I lost my nephew. So, so heart attacks are really prevalent in my family. I'm still standing. Mm. And uh, so I said, wait a minute, I really have to get with the, get with the program here. I really have to clean up my act. And, and, you know, you just you can't go through the drive-thru. And as much as I love French fries, you eat French fries. And how do you cut back on the sugar? And things like that and and I really really did it because I wanted to be healthy on the inside as opposed to it wasn't like oh gee I'm trying to look like some you know model or like I did in high school or something like that no it was just I just want to be healthy I want to be off my medications and uh, I am and so that for me wow. was, was was the win and um, but you know you can't take care of other people unless you're mm-hmm. taking care of yourself. And I intend to be around a long time to take care of my family. You have to put your mask on first, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And for Women's History Month, which is in in March, we kind of took that spin on it, like how women we need to take care of ourselves to be healthy and well in order to stay around, and make history, and and to keep those things. 
um, going on in our lives. And I wanted to give a plug really quick to one of the new online coaching tools that Humana has. It's the Noom app. It kind of breaks down the psychology of what's going on. You can sign up for it in the Go365. And I want to say I, I did it. I love it made me recognize some really bad habits I have and transitioning to work at home kind of exemplified a few of those. So um, go check that out. You get the first year two, two weeks free. So it's part of one of the new vendors that we're using for Go365. It's really gaining a lot of popularity out there as well. So I'm hearing a lot of good I really things like about it. it. Cool. I pay for it now. The yeah. Noom? Noom. N-O-O-M. Noom. Okay. And that's it for this episode but the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.